Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Foo followers around the world. Welcome to the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast with your host, Ben Johnson. We have a very special compilation show for you today to celebrate what would have been Bruce Lee's 80th birthday. But before we get into that, I wanted to remind you all that we currently have a competition running with a special bumper collection of prizes to give away. We have three copies of the new Blu-ray release of the 1993 Hong Kong classic The Bride with White Hair to give away, courtesy of Eureka Entertainment. And we are also giving away three Blu-ray copies of the Chinese animated fantasy film White Snake, courtesy of Dazzler Media. To be in with a chance of winning, simply sign up now to our newsletter at kungfumovieguide.com. Full competition details will be released in our next newsletter, which will be released on the 30th of November. So become a registered Foo follower today to be in with a chance of winning either The Bride with White Hair or White Snake on Blu-ray. The Bride with White Hair is out now on Blu-ray and can be purchased now from Amazon. White Snake is also out now on Blu-ray, DVD and digital. So two very good films there up for grabs and if you do want to read our reviews of both of those movies then head over now to our website kungfumovieguide.com okay this is something a little bit different on today's show i do hope you enjoy this it is our tribute to the one the only bruce lee a name that has come up quite a fair bit on this show over the years as this special little tribute show will demonstrate so without any further ado let's Get on with the show. Here we go. Well, if you're really so determined to have a fight, then I'll oblige. (laughs) Hello, hello, hello there, Foo followers around the world. Welcome, welcome one and all to the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. How are you doing? I hope you are keeping well and staying safe and staying strong and so forth. Ben Johnson here. I am currently speaking to you all from a lockdown London. We are in lockdown number two and it is November 2020. And this lockdown thing is getting pretty tedious now. I'm sure you can agree. But uh, hey, we are just all getting by doing what needs to be done to get this virus under control so wherever you are currently listening to this show i do hope you are safe i hope you're well and uh, i hope you're getting on with things as best as possible this is something a little bit different from the kung fu movie guide podcast it's a little bonus podcast if you will to celebrate uh, what would have been the 80th birthday of the one and only bruce lee The martial arts icon and screen legend would have celebrated his 80th birthday on the 27th of November, so that's this Friday, 
And it seemed only right to mark the occasion in some way on the podcast, especially because Bruce Lee is still such an influential figure, not just in martial arts circles, but in popular culture as a whole. And he is, after all, the reason that many of us, myself included, first got into the martial arts and particularly martial arts films. I mean, he's pretty much the reason this podcast exists in many ways. So uh, he does remain a pretty consistent topic of discussion, I would say, amongst the guests that I've had on this show since we first started way back in 2016. And this is all despite the fact, of course, that Bruce Lee only starred in a handful of martial arts films and he died at the incredibly young age of 32 back in 1973 so that's 47 years ago but as you'll hear from this compilation show his legacy still looms large and i wanted to take a bit of time here to recognize that in this special show so there are plenty of voices to share with you on today's show from the KFMG Pod archive, on this episode, you will hear from the likes of Bruce Lee's daughter, Shannon Lee, his goddaughter, Diana Lee Inosanto, his Enter the Dragon and Way of the Dragon co-star and his training buddy, Bob Wall. You will also hear from martial arts action stars like Scott Adkins, Lauren Avedon, Jerry Trimble, Jean-Paul Lee, plus... Bruce Lee's biographer Matthew Polly. It is all coming up on this very special Bruce Lee commemorative show. I will be back at the end of the show as per usual to quickly talk about another bit of business that has come up. It's about how you can get involved in our 2020 end of year show. It's mad that uh, this has come around so quickly, but there we are. I will be recording that with the author of Life of Action Volumes 1 and 2. That's friend of the show, your friend of mine, Mike Fury. We will be recording that at some point in December this year. So we would love to hear from you guys ahead of the recording of that episode. So more details coming up on how you can get involved in that show. In the meantime, please do remember to keep it locked to our Kung Fu Movie Guide social media channels for all the latest martial arts movie news and, of course, news regarding this podcast. We are on Twitter at KF Movie Guide. We are also on Facebook and Instagram. You can subscribe to the newsletter, read the latest film reviews, find our contact information and also ways to donate to the show all via the website. That's KungFuMovieGuide.com. And the podcast is readily available from all major podcast providers. So do make sure you subscribe to the show to get the latest episodes. And remember, if you do want to contact us directly, the best way is over email. And the email address is hello at kungfumovieguide.com. Okay, thank you all so much for tuning into this episode. I will be back at the end for my usual sign off but until then here we go then this is our little tribute to one of the all-time greatest action film stars the one and only bruce lee this is an episode that i am calling bruce lee at 80 legacy of the dragon
he led a, a very intentional and impactful and inspirational life. He's a post-racial figure in the sense that he appeals across racial lines, but his way was not to deny any of his heritage, but to be proud of it wherever he was. Bruce got kinder, smarter, funnier. It was everything he dreamed of. He wanted to be famous. It worked for him. What was really cool about Uncle Bruce is he made my dad aware of French savant. Most people today still don't know what French savant is, but Uncle Bruce sure as heck knew what it was. He was so ahead of his time in the way he shot stuff. And just his natural charisma and presence is, is, you know, still not been equaled by anyone. He was a human being, someone that used his full potential to the fullest or trained towards that way to keep improving and looking for other ways to improve himself. He wanted to be the best at what he did and I think he, he, he was and I think he still is. Ah, that wonderful theme from Enter the Dragon there, from 1973, composed by Lalo Schifrin, available via Warner Music Group. I'll be sure to put a purchase link for that track in the description of this show. Enter the Dragon was actually the first time I remember seeing Bruce Lee on screen, or I should probably say on VHS, although I should be honest here, and say that it was actually the 1993 Hollywood biopic Dragon the Bruce Lee Story, which starred Jason Scott Lee as Bruce Lee. That was the first film that made me aware of who Bruce Lee was and martial arts in general. It was my friend who was a little bit older than me and he had a VHS copy of Dragon, and we did used to watch that movie over and over again. I'm a 90s child, so this would have been in the mid-90s. I would have been around 11 or 12 at the time. Far too young, obviously, to be watching a film like that, I should say. (laughs) But um, those years are obviously very formative and crucial to any child who is still trying to find their interests and their passions in life. And being a a pretty impressionable young kid myself, seeing Bruce Lee on the screen sparks this whole fascination with his life, his philosophy, his films, and of course, his approach to the martial arts. I immediately went out and found a kung fu teacher of my own, and it was something that I did stick with throughout most of my teenage years. It's something I've tried to analyse over the years, just what it is about this one individual, which to this day is still so captivating, so powerful and so important to so many people around the world. Brucey is a worldwide cultural phenomenon, someone whose star has not waned in the last 47 years since his death. If anything, his star shines brighter now than ever before. You only have to look at his inclusion in Quentin Tarantino's 2019 Oscar-winning film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to attest to that. And his work continues to be assessed and analysed through new books and TV shows, documentaries and films. On episode 37 of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast, I spoke to Shannon Lee, Bruce Lee's daughter. 
As the CEO of the Bruce Lee family companies, Shannon is responsible for upholding the legacy of her father through numerous channels. These include podcasts, retail, social media, books, documentaries, films and television. For instance, Shannon is one of the executive producers on a TV show called Warrior, which is a martial arts action series set in San Francisco's Chinatown in the 1870s, and it is based on a concept originally written by her father. Here's Shannon Lee talking to me about her theories as to why she feels that Bruce Lee's legacy continues to be felt so many years after his death. I um, am amazed by sort of the, the organic Bruce Lee discovery that continues to happen. I mean, yes, over the last uh, many years, I've helped to amplify that, but yeah. for many decades, it, it amplified itself uh, entirely on my father's own uh, steam, if you will. Um, yeah. And that's, and that's because he, he led a, a very intentional and impactful and inspirational life. And um, he had this foundation of personal work and personal growth that, that drove him and that um, made him the force of nature that he was and, and also left behind this wealth of, of information and teachings and learnings from him that can continue to be amplified. It's, a, it's an interesting thing to me because, you know, other than sort of, I mean, the internet and social media has helped a lot. But, yeah. you know, we have... Across our our social platforms, something like twenty five million um, people. It's incredible, and isn't it? Yeah, most. Of I'm, them I'm one of them. Are between, <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and most of them are between ages of thirteen and thirty four, like eighty percent of them. Yeah, it just goes to that 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 his life and his teachings and and what he believed and how he lived are still very relevant and inspiring today. Shannon Lee, there. Over the years presenting this show, I have had the absolute pleasure of being able to speak to people who actually knew the real Bruce Lee and still have memories of what he was like as a person. Bob Wall is one of those individuals. He played the evil O'Hara in Enter the Dragon, and he also played a heavy in The Way of the Dragon alongside Chuck Norris. But Bob's friendship with Bruce Lee dates back even further as a world professional karate champion, Bob remembers Bruce Lee as a young and charismatic martial artist who ruffled a few feathers amongst the fighting circuit of America in the 1960s. With his talk of mixing martial arts disciplines and doing away with what he referred to as rigid classical styles, he approached the martial arts with a refreshing intellect, but when he sparred, he sparred for real which was something that Bob really admired. Here's Bob speaking to me on episode 30 of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. Certain people have skills in certain set, but in my opinion, my humble opinion, nobody yet has ever even come close to being as great as Bruce Lee, the greatest film fighter of all time. Was he a tough guy? you darn right. Trained with Gina Bell, Chuck Norris, and me, and Joe Lewis. He trained with some of the best ever did he learn techniques from us you betcha did we learn techniques from him you betcha he taught chuck and i particularly film fighting being able to to relax the opposite of real fighting where you never show anybody you hurt 
but you had to relax your neck and your shoulders and you had to get the angle correct and you had to relax your neck and your shoulders and your body and you had to show the pain and show the impact. That's not what you do in real fighting. Bruce Lee was a genius at and he trained Chuck and I in that. You can't be next to a master of anything. I don't care if it's painting or computer and not learn something from them if you do what my mother said. God gave you two ears and one mouth because he wanted you to listen twice as much as you speak. Yeah. Listen. He was a great man. I love the man. Bob all there. Shannon and her brother Brandon Lee were so young when their father died. Shannon was four and Brandon was eight. Despite being so young, Shannon does indeed have memories of her father. She had this to say when I asked her about what she remembers. My memories are very, um, I mean, you know, they're, they're very much like glimpses. Like I, yeah. my memories start when we were living in Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, period like <laughs> whether they involved him or didn't involve him that's where they start <laughs> yeah um and because he was out there um, making I, movies then wasn't he when you were when you were really young like that was just as his film career was sort of taking off really in, in hong kong yes i mean he went yeah. to make his first the, the first movie he made he he went off and made we stayed behind in california and then yeah um, once that movie came out and it was successful and he was going to do more, then we moved to Hong Kong and, yeah. um, when I was two. And so, um, and so my memories, you know, I have memories of him at our house or visiting him on set. Cause we used to go to set quite often to visit him. And, um, because back in those days, um, they filmed the movies without sound. So yeah. you could have kids in the, on the side, you know, yeah. not having to be, you could have a three-year-old on set. And it yeah. Problem, so. <laughs> well, there's a lovely um, photo of you guys, you and Brandon and your mum with Bruce on the game of death set. I think there's some really nice behind yeah. the scenes shots of, uh, of that. Um, but, but you yeah. were, you were too young to remember, I guess what that, what, what that was like, or was it just like, Oh, there's dad over there. He's just doing, he's just working, just doing what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, I don't have those sort of long-form memories like, oh, I remember that when he came over and yeah. he said this or we did that. I, I have more sort of like glimpses of like imagery of him in my mind, like in different settings. Yeah. Um, and, but the thing I would say that I remember the most and, and um, is my deepest and probably most pure memory of him is... Um, and I thought for many years, I thought I was crazy because I was like, why do I feel like I know this person so yeah. well? Like, I've always had this sense of like, I know him and I kind of know what yeah. he would want. Um, and I used to think like, well, I must just be insane because how could I possibly know that? But, <laughs> but, the, but the truth of the matter is I remember what he, he felt like. I remember his yeah. energy. I remember the feeling of him. And the feeling of him was so powerful and so, and so impactful to me as a toddler that, that I had that. And, I, yeah. and so there's a part of me that's like, oh, I know this guy. Shannon Lee and 
Brandon Lee's mother, Linda Lee, never pressurised either of them into taking up the martial arts. However, as Shannon explains here, it was something that they both naturally gravitated towards. Both of us came to martial arts because it was a way for us to know our father. I mean, that's that's why I came to it. I was like, you know, I, I want to know. He was so passionate about martial arts. I mean, it was his his thing it was his love yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> like, yeah and he even he even created his own art right and and so i wanted to know what that was shannon lee there the martial artist and filmmaker diana lee inosanto is bruce lee's goddaughter her dad is dan inosanto the legendary filipino-american martial artist and a close friend of bruce lee Diana spoke to me on episode 25 of the podcast about her memories of growing up as a child in the 1960s and 70s with Bruce Lee often coming over to the house regularly to train with her father. He was definitely a family member and uh, it was always very, um, just very family oriented, very warm. You know, our families would get together, eat together, go get Chinese food together. Yeah. We would go to their house. He would come to our house and work out with dad. Um, sometimes my mother would get annoyed because they would make a mess because they were always like hitting wooden boards and just <laughs> right. like, clean up this mess. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, your dad taught Bruce Lee how to use the nunchucks. That's, that's right, isn't it? Yes, 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 he did. Um, not a lot of people know that. <laughs> no, not a lot of people know that because uh, traditionally that is normally, uh, I believe, an Okinawan weapon. Right. And although I will say, Uncle Bruce thought it looked great for the movies, but in in actuality, he did not think it's it, you know was a good weapon in real life. Sure. He thought uh, it would be a little bit more. You're better off with a stick. Yeah. Um, and there were other things that my my father was able to influence uh, Uncle Bruce. A lot of time, a lot of people don't know this. And you know, when Uncle Bruce first came to the, the, the you know to the United States, he came over wearing you know working out usually more in the traditional kung fu you know clothing yeah. you know. But my father, having been a football player yeah. uh, and also being a PE teacher, was able to introduce you know a lot of equipment so they could spar. Because you have to remember before uh, you know martial arts equipment became the thing that that what we see today in sports stores. Uh, it was bare knuckles. You did everything yeah. bare knuckles, and it was rugged. My father applied like a lot of the the football equipment, baseball equipment, tennis shoes. Yeah. You had never seen that before yeah. in martial arts. They were like two scientists. They really approached this uh, uh, methodically, and they would study different styles and different systems, and my dad would sit there taking notes. I remember my dad had this one notebook, and it was them uh, studying and analyzing Pinjat Salat. Um, yeah. What was really cool about Uncle Bruce is he made my dad aware of French Savat. Most people today still don't know what French sabbat yeah. is, but Uncle Bruce sure as heck knew what it was, and he loved the the front leg. They were examining, uh, you know, Muay Thai, or what people say Thai boxing, you know, and he loved, you know, the round kick. So it was quite extraordinary, you know, what they were doing back then, because you know it was completely taboo to mix any form of martial yeah. arts, boxing, wrestling. It was just unheard of yeah. you know um they knew uh wally J, small circle jiu-jitsu so he was studying that um 
he was good friends with June Ree, and June will tell you how um, they would discuss different kicking methods within the Korean martial arts. The way my father will talk about it is is that it's important to evolve. Diana Lee in Asanto there. The idea of Bruce Lee adapting and mixing his knowledge across a range of martial arts systems instead of being wholly dedicated to one art form is crucial to understanding his reputation today. Bruce Lee is seen as a forerunner to today's incredibly popular sport of mixed martial arts or MMA. Here's Bob Wall's opinion on that subject. His predecessor, the world's toughest man, Gene LaBelle, said the same thing way earlier. Yeah. The difference is they were both smart, brilliant people who called it as it was. So Bruce just came along a little after Gene. Remember, Gene made black by the time he was 14. Wow. When he met Bruce Lee, he was way into his 50s. Yeah. So he was saying how it was. He was saying how it was not. And because of Gene LaBelle and Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris and Mike Stone and a few others, there became MMA. This idea of Bruce Lee being way ahead of his time in his approach to the fighting arts is shared across many of the martial artists that I've spoken to on this podcast. Here's the 11-time world kickboxing champion and action film star Don the Dragon Wilson talking to me about Bruce Lee on episode 38 of the podcast. I would say the Einstein, modern-day Einstein of martial arts is Bruce Lee. Yeah. Because Einstein changed everything, and he was like one guy, and he didn't do it by committee. He just came in and said, no, this is the way reality works. This is the way physics really yeah. works. And Bruce Lee came and said, look, there's no sense in studying one art. He said, study them all. Learn as much as you can, and then at the very end, you know, learn the grappling arts, the striking arts. He said, in the very end, you're going to have your own personal style because nobody, no two people are the same. Yeah. Don Wilson there. The Wing Chun teacher, Leo O. Young told me his theory as to what led Bruce Lee to come to this way of thinking when he arrived in America from Hong Kong. Bruce Lee originally learnt the Wing Chun style from his instructor Ip Man in Hong Kong. Bruce would then later go on to create his own system, which he called Jeet Kune Do, the way of the intercepting fist. Leo's Wing Chun teacher is Ip Chun. Ip Chun is the son of Ip Man. Leo has heard a lot of stories about Bruce Lee and Ip Man from his instructor. Here's Leo talking about a conversation he had with Ip Chun on episode four of this podcast. I said, uh, why Bruce Lee uh, create his own system? Yeah. Because Wing Chun is supposed to be it's a complete system, yeah. like I said, you know. And he said there's a few... Um, reason for that right according to him I'm not sure is it right or not I just sure, tell yeah, you yeah. right basically he said uh, first of all um, Bruce Lee he wanted to uh, teach Chinese Kung Fu but there was a lot of resistance you know against that you know because they will think you teach the Chinese Kung Fu to the Westerner right and this is our secret you know you shouldn't teach them yeah. right so he got a lot of conflict you know to the local Chinese and and this why you know he's, he said I'm not teaching Chinese Kung Fu I'm teaching my own system it's called Chicken Do sure so so you can reduce he rebranded yes exactly. yeah. so he can reduce the conflict to the local people yeah right this is a reason one reason two is um, because he haven't finished the Wing Chun system you have to understand he only do you know maybe one third of the Wing that's Chun true system. he wouldn't have learned uh, when, yeah. by the time he left Hong yeah. Kong he, he, wouldn't, he, he couldn't have studied 
played Wing Chun for exactly. too long. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so you know, this is why he, in theory, he can't really say he teach Wing Chun. He hasn't finished the system, right? Yeah. So yeah. this is why he will find something is missing, yeah. right? And then he lead to you know he lead to seeking other martial arts you know, or seeking other martial arts to fit in the gap. That was Leo Ao Young there. Bruce Lee's years as an instructor to the stars is a fascinating part of his life. Bruce Lee opened his first school in Seattle in 1960. He called it the Jun Fan Gong Fu Institute, Lee Jun Fan being Bruce Lee's full Chinese name. And of course, when he was later in Hollywood, he taught the likes of Steve McQueen, James Coburn, the writer Sterling Siliphant, and of course the basketball player Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, to name but a few. But just how serious was Bruce Lee about being a teacher? Matthew Polly is the author of Bruce Lee, A Life. It was first published in 2018. It is the definitive biography of Bruce Lee, and it really is a wonderful book. If you haven't read it already, then I do urge you to grab yourself a copy. It paints a detailed, honest and unflinching portrait of the man himself and his many trials and tribulations. I spoke to Matthew Polly on episode 35 of the show and he had this to say about Bruce Lee the instructor. I think it was one of those things where he got into teaching because this was an opportunity to share his culture and to make a little money and yeah. also be in charge and it was way better than bussing tables. Yes. But it wasn't what he ultimately loved. Yeah. And what he ultimately loved was being the center of attention and being an actor. Yeah. And he combined that with being a great martial artist. And so his first passion was to become the world's, you know, biggest star and also the best martial artist. Yeah. And helping other people came third or fourth. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was he was a loyal friend. He was a good friend. He did teach people, um, and I, he did help them. But that but he that was not his primary goal. Yeah. And even his students who love him were like. You know, Jesse was a better teacher. You know, sure, Jesse sure. was more patient. Yeah. And, uh, or they'd say James was more patient. Or yeah. they'd say Dan and Asanto taught more classes than yes. Bruce did. Yeah. So it's a fairly, even the people who loved him very universally said like, you know, Bruce hung out with you so you would make him better. Yeah. And in the process you learned things, but it wasn't, he wasn't sitting wasn't there worried. He, no, he wasn't yeah. worried about your development. Sure. He was worried about his own. During our chat, Matthew also had some thoughts about Bruce's reputation as a martial arts master, particularly in relation to some of his behavior. When the Lee family moved to Los Angeles in the mid-1960s, after he was cast as Cato in the Green Hornet TV show, Bruce quickly became part of the burgeoning hippie counterculture scene in Hollywood and engaged in pursuits which may not be becoming of your typical kung fu master. He had a full-length mink coat, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, I've known all sorts of martial artists and they're not a stereotype. They're like, you know, very materialistic ones and whatever. Yeah. But you just, if someone says... This guy has a Porsche and a full-length mink coat. Is he a Hollywood actor or is he a Zen martial arts master? <laughs> Which one would you pick, yeah, right? Sure. So that to sure. me, like, he he behaved in ways that make perfect sense for a celebrity, yeah. um, but are more problematic for um, a martial arts master. Matthew Polly, 
Matthew's idea of Bruce Lee really enjoying and relishing his celebrity status is something that Bob Wall also agrees with. He knew Bruce Lee way before he became a huge sensation in Hong Kong. I asked Bob whether he noticed a change in Bruce Lee when he became more famous. Yeah, there was a change, but it was only that Bruce got kinder, smarter, funnier, It was everything he dreamed of. He wanted to be famous. It worked for him. It did not work for Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris really doesn't like his fame. Yeah. It's wearing. But Bruce loved it. Now, I don't know how it would have been 10 years later, but no, he actually, Bruce loved it. He's one of the few celebrities. um, Elvis didn't like it. Steve McQueen didn't like it. Um, Brian Keith, Paul Newman. So many of my students did not like it. But mm-hmm. Bruce Lee was the exception. He loved it. It was perfect for him. His 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 ego was so in place. He knew who he was. And uh, so he's the one exception, I think, that really, really enjoyed that fame. It is important to remember that as a successful Chinese actor working in Hollywood, Bruce Lee's fame is even more notable. As someone who grew up watching less than complimentary depictions of Chinese characters on film and television in America, not to mention being on the receiving end of plenty of racism himself during his lifetime, Bruce Lee made a conscious effort to represent an alternative view of the Chinese male on screen, modelling himself on the action heroes he saw in the West. In his martial arts films, Bruce Lee was unapologetic, muscular, ferocious and fearless. He represented a red-blooded masculinity which transcended any Chinese actor that came before him. Here's Matthew Polly again. He presages a more muscular Chinese image. Yeah. Uh, and the kind of stereotype up until that point was the head down, bowed, you know, houseboy, working the pigtail, all of those kind of horrible stereotypes. And Lee comes in with a, almost like a rapper, yeah. with a swagger, right? He walks on screen with an attitude, yeah. sort of chest back, plus yeah. forward. And that's who he was in person. But on screen, he just presented the Chinese male in a different way. And I think what's interesting about Bruce is he's a post-racial figure in the sense that he appeals across racial lines. Yeah. But his way was not to deny any of his heritage, but to be proud of it wherever he was. So when he was in America, he... He was really proud about being Chinese. Yeah. And he played it up and he, he did our Chinese things. And then he went back to Hong Kong and he was really proud about his Americanness. Yeah. And when he had a beard and they were like writing things about yeah. it that he, I thought was this great moment. This, yeah. this beard becomes a controversy. Um, he's like, I think there's going to be way more beards because I'm doing it. He doesn't yeah. back off at all. And so he managed to um, never deny his mixed heritage. Um, but also sort of strive for a post-racial thing. Matthew Polly. This smashing of stereotypes is still influencing the current generation of Asian actors and performers. I spoke to the martial arts star Jean-Paul Lee on episode 33 of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. Jean-Paul is the breakout star of the hit Cambodian action movie Jailbreak and the star of the UK indie hit Night Shooters, Do go out and watch both of those movies if you haven't already. They are great fun. Jean-Paul is a very talented, up-and-coming young action star. And when we spoke, he highlighted the continuing significance of Bruce Lee in his life 
and what he represents. Bruce Lee shaped the whole whole thing. Bruce Lee was like, wow. you know, my father was like, you should be like Bruce Lee, strong yeah. Asian dude. And uh, and uh, yeah, and during the karate class, we were like, oh, and teacher yeah. was so pissed off. Like, can you stop doing this Bruce Lee sound? Because because we're the two Asian, only two. Right. But we were like all the time like, wow. Yeah. Yes, it was crazy. But yeah, I kept on performance and Bruce Lee was always there yeah he was your he was your idol from oh, yeah. the start then he yeah. was my hero yeah yeah even today yeah more not only for the martial arts but for martial what he did was tremendous yeah but um, more for um, let's say diversity yeah like back in the days he was doing what we're still <clears throat> struggling today yeah and showing not the weak Asian but the alpha male not scared of anyone yeah. I don't give a shit and yeah. you know like go for it you know like in his film he put romance and all this stuff yeah. he's so we're still struggling with that today for Asian actors yeah. and yeah. he did that long time ago he didn't yeah. care and that's why I'm wow visionary Jean-Paul Lee there Hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The influence of Lee's screen presence, his power, and his intensity and his extraordinary physicality is a recurring theme on this podcast there is a generation of martial artists and action stars who still remember seeing bruce lee on screen for the first time and the transformative effect that it had on them one such individual is jerry trimble i spoke to jerry on episode nine of this podcast jerry golden boy trimble became four-time world kickboxing champion before stepping into the movies in the 1990s where he squared off against jet lee in the master and he worked alongside al pacino in the classic crime film heat here are Jerry's memories of seeing Bruce Lee on screen for the very first time and the profound effect that it had on him. At 12 years old, when I was, you know, I had quit every sport I ever joined. I, I baseball or basketball track, swimming, football. And um, and I packed up my gym bag full of clothes. And at 12 years old, I ran away. And then um, through running away, on my way to running away, I stopped at the local movie theater and I had like nine bucks to my name and I went in, I snuck in at an R-rated uh, yeah. Chinese Connection. It was Chinese Connection or Planet of the Apes. And, it, you know, and I was like, I saw this guy jumping in the air and had no idea who Bruce Lee was. Sure. And I snuck in and boom, when Bruce Lee jumped onto the screen, yeah. something something sparked in me that I never felt before and it felt good. Wow. <laughs> Can you picture yourself sort of sat watching Bruce Lee for the first time? I mean, what, what are the sort of emotions that are, that are running, running through you? It, it was a feeling of, 
I wanted to be him. I wanted to be like him. I yeah. wanted to have the confidence. It was the confidence. It was the charisma. It was the way he acted. It was the way he fought. It was the way he moved. It was the way he did everything that he did. I mean, Bruce Lee, in my opinion, to date, was the most charismatic person that ever lived. Yeah. And I want. I wanted. I wanted to be Bruce Lee. Yeah. You know. And I. Re I remember. I remember at twelve listening to. Uh, this guy, he was a, he was a motivational speaker. I was listening to the radio. It was he, his name was Earl Nightingale, and I remember him saying, "You become what you think about. Mm. You become what you think about." And that stuck with me. And I remember thinking I wanted to become Bruce Lee. Yeah. And then after the th after the theater, I'm like, I was so charged up. I go home and I run to my dad. And I'm like, Dad, Dad, I, I saw this guy, uh, this guy doing karate, and he was amazing. His name was Bruce Lee. Hey, Dad, can I join karate? My dad looks at me. He goes, Get out of here. He goes, You quit at everything you start. Yeah. This guy, and he laughed. And I was like, I was devastated. I was, it was, I was shot down. But I thought. I remember what the guy, Earl Nightingale said. He says, "You think what you think you become." And I went, "I wanted to become Bruce Lee." So I went, ran to the bookstore. I bought every martial arts magazine with the rest of the money that I had, and I and I went home and, and in my in the attic in my room, and I spread these magazines all over the floor, and I started practicing, and in practicing, and it was every day. My mom's yeah. like, "What are you doing up there?" And it was like jumping and flying and kicking, and it was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> Jerry Trimble there. The same can be said for Lauren Avedon. Lauren is the star of films including No Retreat, No Surrender 2, Raging Thunder and The King of the Kickboxers. Lauren spoke to me on episode 57 of the podcast on which he recalled seeing Bruce Lee for the first time when he was growing up in England in the 1970s. My great grace was Tyler McKenzie. We were off on a trip to the Hot Air Balloon Festival in Bath. And Lovely. Yes. And so we were together and Tyler said, I'm going to see this movie with this uh, martial arts Chinese guy named Bruce Lee. And it's called, uh, I can't remember if it was called Fists of Fury or Chinese Connection because it was, that's the same movie. Sure. He had to be 17. I was only 10 and a half. Hmm. He had me go up to the booth and ask the lady for a ticket. So I did. She said, you're not 17. <laughs> and I said, give me the ticket. And she bloody well gave me the ticket. And I sat there and watched Bruce Lee with Tyler. And I was absolutely transfixed yeah. by this man who needed nothing, who was a reluctant hero and was so such a, excuse me, badass and, sure. and was always trying to do the right thing and being pushed around and forced into, you know, fighting and doing his thing, but doing so with such, such amazing skill, you know, mm. and I was just absolutely taken. Lauren Avedon there. This is also the same for the Bruce Lee historian Steve Kerridge. Steve is the author of Bruce Lee, The Authorised Visual History, as well as many other books, including the Legends of the Dragon series. I visited Steve's home office here in the UK to record our conversation, which featured on episode 16 of the show. 
As well as being a font of Bruce Lee knowledge, Steve is also a distinguished martial arts instructor. He runs his own school here in the UK called the Essex Kickboxing Academy. Here's how Bruce Lee has inspired him in his life. I've got students who are probably you know, young kids as well who, who, who train at our gym. Now, they don't really understand who Bruce Lee was, but what they're being taught is what the instructors who are teaching them but I taught them instructors mm. from what I've grown up learning through the big influence Bruce Lee gave me yeah so if it wasn't for Bruce Lee if it wasn't for Bruce Lee that gym over there wouldn't, I wouldn't be in there I wouldn't yeah. be doing what I'm doing there I wouldn't yeah. be talking to you yeah because it's Bruce Lee that's shaped my life um, and that doesn't mean I go around dressed in a game of death tracksuit or anything I, yeah. I hate all that sort of shit so you know I'm not into all that and that's why when you see these people imitating Bruce Lee when I mean, they're teaching Jeet Kune Do some of them you think are you for real yeah. be yourself don't be Bruce Lee yeah. be yourself yeah. otherwise you're not being what Bruce Lee said Steve Kerridge the action film star Scott Adkins doesn't quite remember seeing Bruce Lee on screen for the very first time, but he does remember watching his films a lot growing up. Scott is the star of so many classic martial arts films, including the Undisputed franchise. He's in It Man 4, Avengement, Accident Man, Triple Threat. There's just so many great Scott Adkins movies. And he has been on our podcast four times now. Here he is speaking to me earlier this year on episode 52 of the podcast, in which he was discussing why he thinks Enter the Dragon is hands down the best martial arts film ever made. It is the uh, the best of the best, isn't it? It's. For Do me. you remember seeing it for the first time, Scott? No, I don't, because I was a kid growing up and there was this guy called Bruce Lee and this film that would always be on late at night, central television, Yeah, Enter the Dragon. And, you know, it was always just something that you knew about and you knew who Bruce Lee was. So I can't remember the first time I saw it because I probably would have seen it very young watching yeah. it with my dad or something. Of course. And he probably might have told me to get out of the room when the, when the boobs came yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But um, this is my favourite Bruce Lee film because... Yeah. Um, he's really just quite dangerous in it, isn't he? He's pretty mm. dark. It's pretty dark. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, like a killing machine in this movie. I mean, it's, it's a revenge mission, yeah. isn't it? And he wants to get back at Bob Wall for what he did yeah. to his sister. Yeah. But just, yeah, the energy that he puts forward in the way he plays the role. And he, he turns it on in most of his films, but in this one, it's dialed up to 11, Absolutely. isn't it? The intensity. Yeah. Is he someone, Scott, um, that you still admire and look up to? Like, would you go back and watch a Bruce Lee film? Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. All the time. I mean, obviously, the art of filmmaking and the way you shoot fights has improved since then. But mm. he was so ahead of his time in the way he shot stuff. Um, and just his natural charisma and presence is you know, still not been equaled by anyone. Yeah. I, not even any actor. No actor on the planet, for me, can come close to Bruce Lee in terms of sheer charisma and screen presence. Mm. Mm. It's magnetic. It's incredible. You can't stop yeah. looking at him. Yeah. And, every, yeah. you know, every picture you ever see of him, he always looks great. Yeah. He's not. He's never looks great. <laughs> Coolest bad. guy in the room. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Something about that guy. And Brandon had it as well. Scott Adkins there. Ricky Baker is a well-known figure here in the UK on the Kung Fu film scene. 
Known as Kung Fu Ricky, he has dedicated his life to promoting Hong Kong and Kung Fu cinema through his Eastern Heroes label, which he runs alongside the film expert Toby Russell, son of Ken Russell. Toby was actually my very first guest on this podcast way back in 2016. Ricky has helped to produce books, magazines, TV shows and documentaries on Kung Fu cinema. And back on episode 10 of this podcast, Ricky spoke to me about the life-changing moment he first saw the Bruce Lee film Enter the Dragon in the cinema back in 1974. It was a great night and a sad night for me because... I went and we got in but I had to sit through this film called Black Eye right. and I was worried because three times before I've been into Strong X's and the usher has come down with a torch come on laddie sure we're called, and the police station was only over the road where was this then? this, this was... is Hinkley okay. this is Hinkley Leicestershire yeah. and so we've got in and I've come out of that film and I am I can't express how I felt not only that you could I'm sure like everybody fight people do this and I've gone home and I've as I've got to my house, I'm skipping, I noticed that when the doors open and I wanted to tell her, and my mum had left home, she hadn't told me, so she'd left from my dad. So wow. all my enthusiasm's now gone back into this house and there's nobody there, my mum's gone. And On the so night it, that you yeah, yeah, watched the night, Enter the Dragon you know something, for the first It was time. the biggest high and to come home and see that your mum had left because wow. of problems in the marriage. Yeah. Uh, I just couldn't comprehend it. I thought, Wow, it's really just taking the edge off it, you know. She paid me to go. I thought that's a bit kind of her. She yeah. gave us fifty p. I said, "Go and get some sweets." Me and my mate, and and I got in. So it was a real, it was a fantastic night and a very sad night. But that's two like quite life changing events on the same night. You've then spent the rest of your life as a Bruce Lee fan. That was the first night. And Do you know something? Your, your... I don't know this about Bruce. I got a lot to thank him for because without him, I wouldn't be here today. But you know, I saw in the news of the world when he died. This that small picture. Mm. We didn't know what really what Kung Fu was then. This is back when he died in 73. And I kept that paper. And I, I become, you know, I've tried a lot of things in my life. I don't use stick at it. But martial arts, is, it's like it's been embedded in me. I've yeah. tried to get out of it. But you're yeah. there. And as long as you've done it, as long as when you, and when you finish all this, you look back and you put books out there, you've done this, you feel as if you've been born for a reason. You yeah. know what I mean? Ricky Baker there, referencing the first time he saw Enter the Dragon and also hearing the news of the death of Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee died in Hong Kong on the 20th of July 1973. He was very young. He was 32 years of age. His death was a shock to the world and particularly those who knew him well. Here is Bob Wall talking about where he was when he heard the news about the death of his good friend, Bruce Lee. Yeah, we were, I was with Freddie Weintraub and we were up at a college in West LA. We were filming Black Belt Jones uh, fight scenes and Linda called us. We went to the phone. Freddie took the phone and Bruce Lee, one of the greatest martial artists, one of the greatest athletes of all time, was the worst effing driver of all time. <laughs> he said, Bruce died. And I went, car accident. He goes, car accident? Linda goes, no, they don't know. He just passed out. But I, he would be driving, and I would shove his face, he would turn and look at you, and I'd shove his face to the road. And he'd turn to you, and I'd shove his face to the road. So wow. I was just got killed in a car accident. But no, that's where I was, and it was a sad day. And you know what? I could still cry. That's how much I love Bruce Lee. Yeah. 
Yeah, and just such a well, just so young as well. It's just so tragic when anyone so young loses their life, anyway. But just because he's on the cusp, there isn't he? He's literally at the moment in his career that you know he had been training and working so so hard to achieve, and it's literally within weeks. You know, it's within his grasp, isn't it? It's so yeah. sad. And the film Into the Dragon did not come out until August fifteenth, so he didn't even get to live to see it. Yeah, it's just tragic. He was the first brilliant, handsome, talented martial artist to marry martial arts to ballet on screen. And he had the charisma to carry it off. But if you took away his martial arts skills, you'd love to hang with him because he was kind, he was fun, he was funny, and he was absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, the career he could have had, but I have to focus on, thank God, we got him as long as we did, five films, and then his son got to do five films. So, thank God. Bob Wall there. And here is Diana Lee in Asanto, who told me where she was when she heard the news of the death of her godfather, Bruce Lee, and the reaction of her father, Dan Inosanto. That was uh, a horrible day, uh, a horrible week. Uh, it was around the, you know, close to around my time and my dad's birthday, and it was just god-awful um my we my mother and i found out before my dad did i think my dad at that time was uh teaching summer school or something like that my dad came home and um i remember when my mother had to share with him what what happened and um and you know they went into another room and then he just came blasting out through the doors and was on the phone right away because he he did not want to believe it and he couldn't believe it, and so he was calling different people, and then he, I believe he got a hold of, you know, Linda, and he just, once he hung up, he just broke down in tears, and it was the first time ever that I saw my father uh, cry, wow. and it was shocking for me. I was, I was scared, too, um, because I've always known my dad to be this strong kind of guy, and to see my father now crying, I, I, I it just... It, I just felt so bad for him, and, and, and I'm just horrified. My parents had to go on to Seattle where, uh, to meet up with uh, Linda, and so that's where they had the um, funeral there. Yeah. I, my parents felt it was best that I stay back and be with my grandparents in Stockton, which I was a little mad about. <laughs> I was pretty upset about that, but um, you know, it, it was the way it was. And then later on, uh, when Linda decided to move back to California, we got in a car and we were helping Linda and Brandon and Shannon find a new home in, in the Palos Verdes area. Diana Lee in Asanto there. Because Bruce Lee was such a young man when he died, and because he was on the verge of becoming a worldwide superstar, there are many theories out there as to how Bruce Lee died. The Korean Hapkido master and kung fu film star Hwang In-shik worked with Bruce Lee in The Way of the Dragon, and he was also my guest on episode 10 of this podcast. During my conversation with Ricky Baker, Ricky told me about a conversation he had had with Hwang In-shik about Bruce Lee when Hwang was over in the UK back in 2016. He went for some Korean food with Bruce and they talked. He believes in his own heart this is just his feeling and yeah. this is what he told me that if Bruce maybe had not gone for the film side and just continued for a while in the arts sure. would he have lived because Bruce was a very intense guy and talked about martial arts with a passion he said you know yeah. on that side of it 
and but also he wanted to break America yeah and maybe that cost him his life mm. you know the stress the worry yeah. the the you know he was nervous on the set and then to the drug you know yeah, I mean yeah. it's a big thing he's a Chinese guy that's now going to try and become a box office star in America and he said you know I just wonder you know had he have just decided to follow his art yeah and maybe not try movies and just go off and become yeah. the best at what he can would he have lived longer I don't know mm. you know would he have been more true to himself I don't know he said but for me that was an example of why I stayed out of the movies because I yeah. can see that he can take people in and churn them up Ricky Baker there there are of course many theories out there about what Bruce Lee would have gone on to do had he lived longer this week we are celebrating what would have been Bruce Lee's 80th birthday. Because he's frozen in time, it's hard to imagine Bruce Lee as an old man at the age of 80, but it is fun nonetheless to hypothesise about what the little dragon would have achieved in the last 47 years since his death. The Bruce Lee historian and author Steve Kerridge has his theories on what he believes Bruce Lee would have done next had he lived longer. If you look at Clint Eastwood right now I'll explain why I say Clint, I've jumped yeah, Clint yeah, Eastwood yeah, yeah. all of a sudden Clint Eastwood was in a TV series called Rawhide Bruce Lee was in a TV series called The Green Hornet yeah right Rawhide finished Clint Eastwood couldn't get no more work mm. there's a documented story of him and I think it's Lee Marvin driving down Sunset Boulevard saying what are we going to do now you know, got no, there's no work no, no work, work's been offered sure. Bruce Lee's finished The Green Hornet nothing much has come up you know, he's got the, the little snippets with Ironside but nothing to you know he starts now teaching celebrities to, yeah. to and you know and looking at his schools and trying to get subscriptions to his schools you know to, to, this is, you know money he's got to pay the rent yeah yeah so Clint Eastwood and Bruce Lee very much in line there really mm. both had TV series that didn't it was okay but it didn't really take off to that degree or they didn't get off anything else what does Clint Eastwood do he goes to Italy and does the spaghetti westerns yeah right what does Bruce Lee do eventually he goes to Hong Kong sure and makes kung fu films kung fu films yeah what do the spaghetti westerns do they suddenly become popular suddenly now Clint Eastwood's the best thing since sliced bread in that genre yeah what happens to Bruce Lee the same thing right? Mm. what did Clint Eastwood do he, he, he formed his own film company called the Mel Paso Film Company what did Bruce Lee do create his own film company called the Concord Productions yeah, of so they're pretty much similar yeah, yeah. similarities yeah Bruce Lee unfortunately passed away yeah Clint Eastwood carried on making movies as, as, as I believe Bruce Lee would have done but as Bruce Lee said himself he probably wouldn't have carried on making martial arts movies he would have gone more into the director's chair now Clint Eastwood what's he doing now he's you don't really see him starring in hardly any films now oh he's getting old, old now obviously yeah. but he's brought out plenty of films same as Mel Gibson's doing that really yeah. where they're directing films they're producing films mm-hmm. this is the direction Bruce Lee I believe will have gone in Steve Kerridge there and that theory chimes very closely to what Matthew Polly also thinks Matthew is the author of the book Bruce Lee A Life he wanted to be a bigger star than Steve McQueen but he was actually following Clint Eastwood's playbook yeah. by going uh, Clint Eastwood be, made the spaghetti westerns mm-hmm. that made him a star Bruce Lee told people I'm gonna use Hong Kong like he used Italy bounce back to Hollywood yeah. if I'm writing the fictional account of Bruce Lee who lives to be 80 is Bruce Lee is Clint Eastwood yeah 
He's he acted and he did like you know Enter the Dragon six and that didn't yeah. work <laughs> and so he tries a comedy yeah and then he bounces around um, but I think the thing that struck me was the happiest moment of his adult life other than you know getting married and having children yeah, yeah. Um, was filming Way of the Dragon yeah uh, because it his most def- one of his two or three most defining qualities besides being competitive was wanting and needing to be in control mm-hmm. uh, and the reason he hated authority is because then he wasn't in control yeah which is yeah. probably tied to his father's opium addiction yeah da, 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 da. but that um, that when he was in control he was really good boss yeah and that's the thing I also thought I admired about it. everyone pointed out they were like he was a total jerk to, yeah. <laughs> to his bosses yeah but he was really good to everyone beneath yeah. him yeah. and when he was running the set of Way of the Dragon he was happy and he was in charge and he was good at it and I think he would have loved being a producer director yeah and making you know his he filming Unforgiven the Kung Fu version <laughs> yeah, yeah. and being the star of it Matthew Polly there the sudden death of Bruce Lee caused a chasm in the kung fu movie world, with its biggest star extinguished just as the genre was at its peak. In Hong Kong, unscrupulous producers quickly cashed in on the global appetite for Bruce Lee-themed movies and started to promote a new generation of kung fu stars with names that looked and sounded very similar to Bruce Lee. This made stars out of actors like Bruce Lai, Bruce Le, and Dragon Lee, with film titles including Bruce Lee Fights Back from the Grave, Enter the Game of Death, and of course, The Clones of Bruce Lee. Michael Worth is a filmmaker, a martial artist, action star, and one of the biggest authorities on the so-called Bruce exploitation kung fu movie subgenre. As well as putting together a book and a documentary on the subject, Michael is also the co-host of the Clones Cast. That's a podcast all about Bruce exploitation. Michael spoke to me on episode 20 of the Kung Fu Movie Guy podcast, and he had this to say about why he is such a huge fan of this strange subgenre. There was two things that started luring me back into the theater to see these films, and number one was the hopes that there was some Bruce Lee footage in these yeah. films, or yeah. or or on a sort of secondary tier, there was the idea of seeing some of these actors I, I loved in Enter the Dragon or Fist of Fury and getting this chance to see them again. Yeah. The other part of it was is more psychological, and I write a lot about this in the book, which is many of us who were big fans of Bruce Lee, and I was one of them, you know, want to go to these films, not even though we know Bruce Lee isn't in them, we want to go see what he may have done had he done more films, you know, like Bruce Lee in in, in New Guinea, you know, the film with Bruce Lee, it's like, what if Bruce Lee did an Indiana Jones movie? On a level, you're going, yeah, you know what, I wonder what would happen if Bruce Lee had played a gangster, or Bruce Lee had um, you know, followed up uh, you know, uh, Game of Death with the the Tower of Death, or you know, whatever it is, and so that, I think there was another reason we would go to these films, even though we knew we were being duped even though you could look at the poster go yeah 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 bruce is in this right you know there's certain people and it's you know you got to give them credit where it's due you know there's certain people that come along and just leave that imprint and they don't leave you know whether it's monroe or dean or whatever that represent something within the confines of this you know 
uh, genre or you know art or whatever. You know, I mean, you may you may today go look at the UFC fighters and think, well, this guy would probably take Bruce out in two seconds, or you know, whatever your your head is as a martial artist, but as a personality, he still reigns supreme. Michael Worth there talking to me on episode twenty of the podcast. And he is right. It is fascinating to see just how much Bruce Lee's legacy can still be felt on screen today, whether it's through the Ip Man film franchise, the Warrior TV show in the USA, or of course, Lee's infamous appearance in Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He has also been the subject of new books and documentaries, and that is all only within the last few years. One of those new books is by his daughter, Shannon Lee. Her book is called Be Water, My Friend, The True Teachings of Bruce Lee. It is available now wherever you buy your books. I was lucky enough to read an advanced copy of this book. And just like her Bruce Lee podcast, Shannon uses her father's work to create a book which is part memoir and part motivational self-help book. In the week that her dad would be turning 80 years of age, and as the person who now finds herself in charge of making business decisions on behalf of her father, it seems only right that we close out this special commemorative episode dedicated to Bruce Lee with words from his daughter, Shannon. Here's what she said to me when I asked her about whether she feels a huge burden of responsibility in having to manage the Bruce Lee name and legacy. I have definitely erred on the side of um, of trying to do what I think is best for my father's um, legacy and philosophy and values over making good business decisions. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am approached all the time and, and I have to say, you know, my guiding North star is my father and his values and his philosophies because he's, he's, you know, really setting the tone for what I feel needs to happen now. Am I perfect? Do I make, bad decisions sometimes yes definitely do things that you know not work out a lot of times or uh aren't successful or or whatever yes of course but um um but in general um i really try to stay true to what i think my father's values and vision for his own energy and his own legacy were and um and that's very helpful because it makes it it makes it easy to say no. Shannon Lee there concluding our look back over the legacy of Bruce Lee and what he continues to mean to the many guests that I have spoken to over the years on this podcast. It seems only fitting then that the final voice you hear will be from the man himself. Here he is. Here is Bruce Lee speaking on the Pierre Burton show recorded in Hong Kong on the 9th of December 1971. If I were born, let's say, uh, 40 years ago, yeah. if I have a thought in my mind, I said, boy, I'm going to star in a movie or star in a television series in America. Well, that might be a vague dream, but I think right now, maybe. Man. You still think of yourself Chinese or do you ever think of yourself as North American? You, you, you know what I want to think of myself as a human being because 
I mean, I don't want to sound like, you know, as Confucius say, but under the sky, under the heaven, man, there is but one family. It just so happened, man, that people are different. Okay, we got to go. Thank you, Bruce Lee, for coming hey, here. Thank, thank you, you for yeah. watching. Thank you. There we go. That was our Bruce Lee commemorative show to celebrate what would have been his 80th birthday. I do hope you enjoyed listening to that. A little bonus episode there from your friends at the Kung Fu Movie Guy podcast. We should sign off really by saying a very happy birthday to the one, the only Bruce Lee, someone who has hugely influenced and inspired my life and continues to do so. So there we are. I do hope you enjoyed that. And a huge thank you to all of the guests who have contributed their thoughts on Bruce Lee over the years on this show. In order of appearance, then, you just heard Shannon Lee, Bob Wall, Diana Lee Inasanto, Don the Dragon Wilson, Leo Ao Young, Matthew Polly, Jean Paul Lee, Jerry Trimble, Lauren Avedon, Steve Kerridge, Scott Adkins, Ricky Baker, and Michael Worth. Remember, you can listen back to my full conversations with each of those amazing guests, as well as many other amazing guests that we've had on the show from the world of martial arts movies by checking out the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast archive. Every episode of the podcast is available right now on all the major podcast providers. So, before I head off, a little note about our end-of-year show for 2020. This is all very exciting. Uh, Mike Fury and I will be recording this episode at some point in December. We haven't yet got the date in the diary, but like last year, we do want you, the loyal Foo followers, to get involved. And if you have made it all the way to the very end of this episode, then you are indeed a hardcore Foo follower. Thank you very much for doing so, by the way. We want you to tell us your favourite martial arts action films from 2020 and why, and your comments could be featured in the episode. If you're not too sure on which films did come out over the last 12 months, and let's be honest, quite a few of them did get moved around, then you can check out a list that we have compiled. We've put it now on our website, kungfumovieguide.com. I'll be sure to put a link to the list in the description of this episode. Please feel free to send us your comments either in the comments section on the website or over our social media channels or you can send us an email. The email address is hello at kungfumovieguide.com. In case you're not familiar with the formula, we do read out a lot of comments from you guys on that show, but Mike and I will also be counting down our personal top five films of the year. And we'll also be talking about some of the big martial arts movie headlines from 2020, as well as exchanging a few Christmas presents. It's usually a very jolly show, and we're both very excited to sit down and record that. So we can't wait to hear from you guys and to get you involved. So do log on to the website, check out the list, and let us know your favourite martial arts films from the year. That is about it for today's episode thank you again so much for your support this year thank you for listening to this special bonus episode i will be back 
for our end of year show 2020 before the year is out but until then please do take care stay safe stay well happy bruce lee day and i will speak to you all again very soon on the kung fu movie guide podcast bye for now ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.